Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Christmas. It's one of the most anticipated, most loved, most dreaded, most hyped holiday of all holidays. And I know this week that we celebrate Thanksgiving. I, I get that. But honestly, it's unfortunately become the opening band for the main show of Christmas, right? Doesn't it feel that way? It's like, uh, if we miss that first band, it'll be all right. If we miss Thanksgiving, it's not a big deal. We're just trying to get to Christmas. It's awful, but it kind of feels like that in our culture, right? But during this season, we all have traditions. I looked up a couple of strange Christmas traditions, and as you would imagine, there there's some really, really crazy ones. For instance, in Austria, kids have to be mentally prepared because as they go throughout the city, there's a quote-unquote ghoulish creature called Krampus who's the evil accomplice to Santa Claus. And Krampus wanders the streets looking for badly behaved children. And you you don't even look up the pictures. I'm telling you, if you Google them, it'll freak you out. But there's like these people, these grown adults with demonic like face masks running around the city, scaring poor little children (laughs) into behaving. It's it's awful. I'm never going to Austria. Another one was in Venezuela. The city dwellers make their way to Christmas mass on roller skates. Every year on Christmas morning, they show up to mass on roller skates. How awesome is that? Like, I want you guys rolling in here on December 22nd with some roller skates. Not no inline skates either. I want some quads rolling around the rocks in this this parking lot over here. It's going to be an interesting morning. But what's really cool is the city has actually closed down traffic so that when the people show up, they, they just have, they don't get hit by a car, which is convenient on your way to mass and I really really love this one this one was cool in Sweden everything on Christmas is planned around a television special where more than 40 percent of Sweden's population tunes in to watch a Donald Duck cartoon from 1958 and this tradition actually goes back to the 1960s when they didn't have televisions and it was a brand new commodity in Sweden And there's only two channels that aired, and one of those showed Disney cartoons, one of which being this Donald Duck cartoon, which is so cool. And while it may be quirky, a whole nation coming together to watch a Christmas cartoon together is about as Christmas as it gets, right? That's a pretty cool one there. But for you and I, for our families, we all have traditions. And for mine, as you saw in the opening clip, my family always watched A Christmas Story. I've literally seen it more than any other movie in my entire life, right? You you remember this story. Christmas is approaching and nine-year-old Ralphie wants only one thing in this world. What is it? That's right, a Red Ryder BB gun. And when he tells his mom at the dinner table that's what he wants, her immediate reaction is, you'll shoot your eye out. And everywhere he goes, he hears that same phrase, you'll shoot your eye out, but still, he fantasizes about what it would be like to have that Red Rider 
BB gun and catch the bad guys. And when the big day arrives, he gets all these presents under the tree, including the infamous bunny suit, right? I've seen a couple adults wearing that, and it is not a pretty sight. But what about the BB gun? I won't spoil the movie for you. Yes, I will. He gets the BB gun, and to his surprise, he goes outside and he shoots it. And what happens? The bullet ricochets and it hits him right in the face and nearly shoots his eye out. And there's so many one-liners in that movie, and it's it's so famous that there are actually channels around this time of year that it's the only movie they show for the entire day, which I just think is fantastic. But Ralphie was infatuated with getting his BB gun. Nothing in the world mattered more to him. He went to extreme after extreme just to get what it was that he longed for. What I want you and I to talk about today is what are we hungry for this holiday season? Just thinking about Thanksgiving, you start to smell your favorite foods and you just get excited about what you're going to eat. But today I want to look at the famous passage of scripture where Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, and he talks about the importance of knowing what we are pursuing. And check this out in Matthew 5, verse 6, and I love the Passion Translation. It says this, How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. So here's a question that I want you and I to ask ourselves as we, we go into this season. And I want you to be really, really honest. I dare you. I triple dog dare you to be honest. In your home, what are you hungering for? In your life, in your dorm, in your job, with your friends, what are you pursuing? If, if you had to boil it all down, what matters most to you? Now, some of you, with integrity, you, you would be able to say, I, I'm here to please God. Like, that's why I'm here. I just want to do his will. I just want to live my life for him. That's what I want to do. But for some of you, you would try to say that with your Sunday school answer of Jesus. But if I asked your spouse, if I asked your family, if I asked your kids, they would probably say something entirely different. But let's, let's, let's make it easier, right? Like in the last seven days, what were you pursuing? What were you hungry for? And if you're honest, some of us would say things like, well, you know what? Just to be honest, we're really just trying to relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, hear me. There's nothing at all wrong with that. Or some of you would say, we're just trying to have a good time. We, we work hard all week long. We live in this awesome city, and we work hard so that we can play hard on the weekend. Nothing wrong with that. But let's just, let's just be honest with ourselves and with each other. Like, let's just own it. For some of us, if we were honest, we would say, you know, I'm hungering for popularity. I really just want to be liked. And so we're all about the image management and looking at our family from the outside and how people see us and did we get the right amount of likes or did this person say something or that person say something? Why is no one saying anything about this picture? We look at the way we dress in our homes. We look at our yard and the cars we drive and 
all of these things to try to live up to an image that we have. For some of us, it would just be the whim. That's what you're pursuing. Whatever the whim means to you, the, the whim might mean more money or a bigger house, a certain look, a certain job, position. It might mean that your elementary kid was like the student of the year, right? The valedictorian of elementary school. Like my kindergartner crushed your kindergartner. Or maybe for you, you're trying to have the Babe Ruth of youth sports. Or in the South, they had this thing. And if you if you did this and your family's about this, like, don't be mad at me. I'm just going to tell you. It's weird. All right? Like, just, I'm not judging you, but I'm just telling you all the kids that I knew that went through it. It was just a weird thing. Okay? In the South, they would have etiquette classes, right? Like, to teach you how to use the right fork at the fancy restaurant. It's like, how many times in my life am I going to need to know how to use the salad fork as opposed to the dinner fork or the soup spoon instead of the ice? Like, come on, man. Like, it'll be all right. And they have, like, these dances and these little formals and all this other stuff. And it's just, you know, it's fine. Like, I know you're trying to give your kids some culture, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Anyways, don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you it was just kind of interesting. But what are you hungering and thirsting for? If you're like most people in our culture today, if you're if you're really, really honest, you'd say over the last seven days, you know what? We were pursuing something or many things above God. We would not be defined as hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And that's why Jesus emphasized this. That's why he said, I want you to crave righteousness to crave goodness many translations if you've read the bible before it says to hunger and thirst for righteousness so what is righteousness i love how this one scholar describes it he says righteousness is fulfillment of the expectations in any relationship whether with god or other people righteousness denotes the fulfilled expectations in relationships between man and a wife parent and children fellow citizens, employer and employee, and God and man. And depending on the fulfillment of one's expectations, an individual could be called righteous and his or her acts and speech could be designated as righteous. I love this right here. Righteousness is the fiber which holds society, religion, and family together. A godly person whose life was centered around Jesus was called righteous or this word sadiq. The sadiq was a person of wisdom whose righteousness brought joy to his family, to his city, and to the people of God. Isn't that a beautiful way? Like, wouldn't we say that's what we long for? That we're a person of wisdom, that we brought joy to our family, to our city, and to the people of God. So what do we do when we realize that we're hungering for the wrong thing? What do we do when we realize that that we have an appetite for things that they don't satisfy? And honestly, they're not the best thing for us. Well, simply put, what we do is we change our appetites. For example, how many of you love pizza? If you love pizza, I want to hear you say it out loud. Say, I love pizza. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm going to be real with you. I love pizza way more than you do. Because, see, you're quiet about pizza. I am 
passionate about pizza, like any kind of pizza. I like expensive pizza, cheap pizza. Every date night, Lauren asks the same question. She says, where do you want to go? And I say, pizza. And because I'm trying to be a good husband, I sacrifice and we go and eat other places. Because for me, date night is actually the is my cheat meal as well. So it like, it's the one chance in the week that I get to eat pizza. Because what I realized this spring is I was getting a little bit too much pizza pizza and I was eating way too many desserts. And so I decided that I needed to eat healthier and, and lose some weight. And so I did that, and I started eating really, really clean all through the week, and and I would just give myself this one big cheat meal on date night so that we could eat and go do whatever we want to do and and have a blast. And after about a month, my appetite, it started to change. I didn't crave the things that I used to. And so we'd go on date night, and when Lauren would let me, I would eat pizza, and I was so excited. And then we'd go to the movies and I would get popcorn or I'd get an icy because what is a movie without popcorn and an icy? And just to add on to it, I would throw in my little $14 bag, $14 bag of Skittles. And what would happen is every Saturday morning I would have the same feeling after date night on Friday night. I would feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy, right? I just felt awful. Because what I realized is that what I craved for had significantly changed. And as I was eating this stuff that wasn't good for me, my body didn't like it anymore. It didn't satisfy me the way that it used to. It actually made me feel kind of gross and like I need to wake up in the morning and go for a run. Just like sweat out all the Skittles I just ate and the icy that I just downed through the movie, right? Like... I had to just shift in my eating habits. And while I will never stop craving pizza, that day will never come. God has never called me to a life without pizza. He never will. I believe him because he is good. The other junk food doesn't make me happy like it used to. It was good in the moment, but the consequences afterwards made me hesitate. And here's the thing is, If you start pursuing God and you start seeking God and suddenly you're going to see the benefits of walking led by the spirit of God and empowered by his presence and by his spirit. And suddenly you're going to long for more of him and and the junk food of this world and the the things that distracted you before. They're they're not going to be at the top of your cravings anymore because you've developed a different appetite. You're starting to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're, you're longing for the things of God, not just the things that used to fulfill you and used to be so important to you. I think about Ralphie. And there's things in our lives that just like Ralphie, we pursue wholeheartedly. And when we get to it, man, it just doesn't live up to the hype that we thought it would. Sometimes we end up shooting ourselves in the eye and then we have to lie about an icicle hitting us in the face because it just didn't end up how we thought it would. And we've all had that moment where we wish we could have known that the finish line that we've been pushing so hard for isn't at all what we hoped for. I'm reminded of this powerful statement by Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says this, It's easy to get caught up in an activity trap 
in the busyness of life to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success only to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. How powerful is that? How many times in our life have we been pursuing something and we're, we're just climbing and we're working hard and we're working hard and about halfway there, or three quarters of the way there, or maybe we get to the top of that ladder and it's leaning against a wall of something that really just doesn't matter as much as we thought it would and it doesn't satisfy the way we hoped it would. So how do we do this? How do we become a person, a family that craves righteousness? And it's this on the screen. I, I love this. We must move from being a Christian family to a Christ-centered family. And you hear that, and you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, that's just semantics. You're saying the same thing, just moving the words around. But it's a significantly different lifestyle. Think about this. Think about this. Being considered a Christian is not all that is cracked up to be anymore right? We all know people, and, and let's just pretend like it's nobody here. Like, we, let's not just be awkward. We'll pretend like it's somebody not here. We all know people that say they're Christians, but, but Jesus is only a little part of their life when it's convenient, right? There's a big difference between saying Jesus is a part of our lives and saying Jesus is the center of our lives, that everything we do, everything we are is found in him. Honestly, you could be here every single Sunday if you wanted, but if Jesus isn't at the center of your Monday through Saturday, you're missing the value of a relationship with him. It's not just doing some Christian things. It's actually shifting your mentality and your desires and your behaviors to putting Jesus as the center of your life. Does it help making church a priority? Of course, of course. Like, I'd never say that. Actually, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but far too often what we do is we rely on a message once or twice in a month to fill our Jesus bucket. And what we want for you is to find more purpose in your everyday life, and getting your Jesus bucket filled here every once in a while is not going to be enough for you to experience the fullness of a relationship with Jesus, the only way that happens is for you to shift from being a Christian family to being a Christ-centered family, from a person that calls yourself a Christian when it's convenient to someone whose life is truly centered around Jesus. And you might hear that this morning and say, I, I don't even know where to begin. And so as we're wrapping up here, I want to give you three quick places to start and I believe that it will change the way you experience the rest of this year and change the way you experience the holidays this year to, to truly give you the best Christmas ever. Are you ready? Let's check this out. The first one is this. Involve God in your daily conversations. Super simple. Like here, here's a couple of examples. As you're driving around our beautiful city and you, you see something that just takes your breath away or you see a sunset Instead of just saying, man, look at that beautiful sunset, say something as simple as look at the sunset God made for us. Isn't it crazy how beautiful God made those mountains? Man, I'm so thankful that God made the ocean sound so beautiful. Or in your marriage, instead of saying, man, I, babe, I don't know what I don't know what we should do. Let, let, let's just look at the pros and cons. Let's just figure this out. You shift and say, I wonder what God wants us to do in this season. 
I wonder what God is showing us in this situation. And I know that might feel weird at first, but it's a subtle reminder that God is present right where you are. It's you reminding yourself that you're not alone, that you, you're not the sole leader of your life. It reminds you to lean on the one who has an unbelievable plan for your life. It's you taking the emphasis off of you and taking the emphasis off of just whatever you see and whatever you feel and bringing God into your daily conversations. The second one is this, and I'm going to look down because I don't want you to roll your eyes at me. The second thing is this, is to make church a priority. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not saying that you can't be Christ-centered if you miss church. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if we want to truly keep Jesus at the center of our lives, it's hard to do that alone. And hear me, for some of you, you've come to church more in 2019 than in any previous year. And we are so proud of you for that. Like that, it blows our mind that we get to be a part of that with you, that you've been a part of City Hills Church and that you're comfortable and confident to show up on a consistent basis more than you ever have before. Like we will not and do not minimize that at all. But our hope is that you can continue to build on that. We want you to be here when you can because it creates a healthy rhythm for you and for your family. What it does is this powerful thing is it shows your kids that you see value in your relationship with Jesus. And it's hopefully a place where you come and you encounter God and you feel loved by people and you're encouraged to discover a little more purpose in your Monday through Saturday. Hopefully that's what you experience when you come back here. The third thing is this, celebrate the wins. Celebrate the wins. Can I be honest? You and I, we don't celebrate enough. Just simply put, we don't celebrate enough. We spend so much time focused on what we don't have. And I'm reminded of Ralphie in the movie. Ralphie got present after present after present. Literally at one point, him and his brother are throwing presents over their shoulders because they had so many and they were just tired of opening it and they, they, he hadn't gotten his BB gun yet. He was so focused on what he didn't have. And I, I wonder how much you and I do that same thing, that we need to spend more time celebrating the blessings that we do have. We have the perfect chance this week. It's Thanksgiving week. Like how amazing is that perfect timing? We need to take time this week and write down the blessings in our lives. Hang them up on the refrigerator. When you, when you put your kids to bed, ask them what they love about their lives, what they love about their family. And as we gear up for a crazy couple of months, let's, let's begin celebrating what God's done already. Like, seriously, think back to the past year and all that you've made it through. Think back and remind yourself of how many times God has actually shown up for you right in the middle of those situations, how he answered those prayers, how he was there for you when you felt alone. Lauren and I had a, a really cool opportunity to experience this last week when we went to a workshop for church planners. And we got to tell our story over and over and over again. And 
But eventually you're like, man, I'm so tired of telling the same story over and over again. But there's something really cool that happened. People would hear our story and they would say things like this. They were like, it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing. So many other people would have given up by now. We're like, what? What? Give up? What do you mean? Like, why would you give up? Because they hear our story and they hear what we've walked through and they hear how crazy the last year has been. And they're like, man, you're still, you're still in ministry. You're still doing church stuff. Like that's, that's awesome. And we would tell them about how we're meeting in this, this office building in Santee. And, and just honestly, like we coming from the different places that we've come before we, we, not really apologize, but we're kind of like, yeah, we're, we're kind of in this office building and we have tenants and, and, and we meet at the bottom floor and it's actually kind of cool. And we're like trying to convince them that it's cool. And what would happen is we had several of them go, we are so jealous. We're like, what? And they would say, God has given you something that we're dreaming about having one day. God has like put you in this perfect place this perfect balance of all the things that are that we're moving towards and what we're hoping one day we can have you guys are in it how awesome is that can I be honest with you it was tough to hear those things because look at this I wrote this down we don't always see things that we're right in the middle of as something to celebrate why? Because we feel the weight of it. We see where we want things to go. And, and many times we lose perspective how blessed we really are and how God is orchestrating, doing these crazy things in our lives that we never thought could happen. And it's not that we aren't thankful for what we have, but we just get so focused where we want to go we're we're so focused on how it could look a little bit different and if this and that and this and that and this and that and God's going man I know you're right in the middle of it but if you would just lift your eyes up a little bit you would see how special things are for you right where you are and it's unbelievably important for us to start a new tradition this year and shift from being a Christian family to being a Christ-centered family. One that talks about God regularly, one that commits to growing together, one that celebrates the blessings he has placed in our lives. We need to make that shift. And over the next couple weeks, we're gonna be looking at how we can handle the challenging parts of the season and how we can change the way we go through the holidays with purpose and with healing. And it's going to be a really great opportunity. If you know someone who's having a really difficult time this holiday season, bring them with you over the next couple of weeks because I promise it'll be helpful. But for you and I, as we start this series, as we start this holiday season, let's focus on shifting who is at the center of our lives. It's so, it's, it's such a cheesy thing that we hear all the time. The reason for the season But legitimately, you and I have to work hard to put Jesus at the center of our lives. 
Let's pray together. With everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed, I just, I wonder who today would be willing to say, that's us, that's me. That's, that's me, Danny, you're, you're talking to me right now. I need to shift from just saying I'm a Christian to, to truly being Christ-centered. You hear this and you think, man, that, that's, that's something that we need to do as a family. It's something we need to do individually. And if that's you today, would you just slip up your hand so we can commit together and, and pray together and take that step of faith together? Thank you. Thank you all over the room, all over the room. That's awesome. Come on, let's pray together. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.